Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control, How to Build a Better Life, the podcast that will inspire you to take control of your mind and your mindset to go forward and build a life that you want to live. My name is Patrick Strevens, and through this show, we're going on a journey. It is my journey to peace of mind. I'm sharing things with you that I believe have improved my life over the years in the hopes that if you yourself are looking to improve in different areas of your life, you'll find them useful as well. I'm never going to tell you directly how to think, how to act, what to believe. Although the rhetoric, I mean the way I speak on this show, often comes across as advice. I guess the best thing I can say is I'm really, really against the guru and influencer culture that we we see uh, online, on social media, and even in the way that things are structured um, in blogs and articles. There's a lot of telling people how to live. I'm really against that. And I, I suppose if you could accept this, all I would say is I'm really just recapping the things that I wished I could have told myself sooner. And in that way, I hope you'll find some comfort in knowing that you don't have to do any of this. And I would actually really, really rather that you just did it your own way. But again, if you are looking for ways to improve, here are some ways that I've improved. So as promised by the title of this episode, we're going to touch on three steps that I believe have helped me in managing my anxiety. Now, those three steps are defining your values and prescribing your purpose, removing external influence and relational thinking, and exerting some control. Now, in an earlier episode, I spoke about defining your values. Uh, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. Uh, I believe it was called, well, I don't remember what it was called, defining your values. It, it was the episode I released in the middle of the two uh, conversation episodes that I did with Charity. Uh, I'll post a link to try and help you there. I really thought that the, the, the way I was able to explain values was useful. The part about constructing your identity, maybe less so. So let's stick with what we, what we know here. Uh, what I know that I can speak confidently on that being prescribing your own purpose and defining your values. That'll be step one. So I should say that uh, specifically if you have like severe anxiety or you have compulsive, obsessive thinking, um, you know, I'm not promising to be able to help you with that. Um, there's people that I know personally who have far worse um, OCD and anxiety than I ever have experienced. And I have a lot of sympathy f for that. Um, I can understand it. Um, I believe that there probably is a holistic approach that we need to take to anxiety, meaning there are thought processes that I'm going to outline here, but you know, there's substances, there's, there's trauma, um, there's gut health, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, much of which I'm not an expert in. I can only speak to my own experiences. So, um, again, anything I say, this, this does not constitute medical advice and I'm not pretending to give you a solution to um, major anxiety. Um, but I would say that my understanding about my own anxiety is that it is something like my inner child um, trying to constantly solve a problem that may or may not exist or uh, 
even simply sim- more simply put it's like it is like a, a problem solving mechanism in our mind that is always going to keep us safe and to keep us aware that is not always useful especially when we have things we're trying to do and uh problem solving uh things that are not happening in the present uh may not be necessary you know uh if you've had a traumatic experience um you know, sometimes you just have to go through daily life and not worry about, you know, evading attack or, or whatever the case may be. So again, I I just want to really push you if you, if you feel you have, um, serious anxiety to obviously take more steps to remedy it. But again, I, I can understand that that kind of thing is difficult. And I mean, it took me 20 years to process some of the things that happened in my life to get to the point now where I think I can even speak to anybody else about how they might improve their lives. So again, this is, this show is really a place of zero judgment. It's just one man's thoughts that he's managed to write down and now wants to share whatever the, uh, impact or feedback may be. So, you know, I like to do sort of a top down or, or a bottom up. I mean, what the hell am I even talking about? I, I'm not going to tell you right now, this is how you can stop your anxiety. I'd rather walk you through a bit of a process of thinking and evolution of thought. Okay. Let's just get on with it, Patrick. It's enough. We get it. I think it's important to, again, you have to stand on some kind of a bedrock and, and, I really think that the way I spoke on values in the earlier episode holds true. You need a bedrock to stand on and you need to define what is it about you that would not change despite any amount of external influence, any amount of uh, opinions from others, uh, stories you hear in the media, things that your parents tell you, um, things that a book tells you, um, things that a guy on a podcast tells you, right? You need to find the things that despite any amount of external pressure would stand up. You know, if you really feel like, hey, I I know I probably drink too much. I'm not putting enough um, attention into my uh, relationships with other people. I have a way of sort of flaking on people. I'm, I'm inconsistent. But hey, I know I show up to work every day and work hard. Write that down. Okay. And that is, that's the core of, of my thinking And it's the core that I would, um, it could become the core of your process of self-improvement as well is, is to write things down and write with the, with the knowledge that no one's ever going to, um, read these things unless you're foolish enough to then start speaking them onto a podcast. So, right. Let's say that, let's say, you know, yes, I'm aware I have anxiety. I have a hard time socializing. Uh, I can't always be counted on, man, my house is a mess, but I go to work every day and I work my butt off. Write that down, hard work. You know, that's a great value to have. I think hard work serves us well. Now there's such a thing as just like mindlessly working to distract ourselves and we're working at a job where we're maybe not getting paid what we're worth, etc. But hard work, I think, is the, well, for me, it's the core of, of who I was when I wasn't so well. And now that I'm better, there's there's not there's not a way in the world I would see hard work, you know, work ethic, um, you know, driving toward a finished product in some way or another uh, is not a beneficial thing. Now, the second half of prescribing our values, 
uh, I think, I think you got to look at it as well. Okay. Where am I failing? Where am I struggling? And again, you don't have to see things as an, as an utter failure all the time. Sometimes things can just not have worked out. You know, they, you may have a chance to redo it. You know, if you, if you're catastrophizing and you're making everything a failure, you know, that's a, that's a problem potentially. And I've done it myself, but ask yourself where I'm not succeeding, where I'm not doing as well as I would like. What is it that I need for myself? Like, what if I could say, okay, I'm perfect. I'm perfect. And I'm perfect because X, Y, Z. Or if you're saying like, look, I'm never out the door on time. I'm always like 10, 15 minutes late and I'm showing up to work barely on time and I come in sweating and I'm in a hustle or I'm, I'm in a huff and I'm hustling and you know, people are looking at me like here he is again. And I'm just, and it takes me a while to get into the rhythm of the day. But you know, if I could get to work 15 minutes early and ease into the day and not have to immediately start working, like, well, I've still got my coat on if you're lucky enough to work inside. then you might say, well, okay, I'm perfect because I'm a better, I'm better at managing my time. Okay, let's write that down. Obviously, time management is a value for you. And, well, you might say, well, yeah, it, it's a value. It's something that I would value if I could do it. Well, you know, nobody said that values have to be things that you always do. They're things that are important to you. And they're things that, you know, if you were an ideal version of yourself would be important. So again, I, I, would, I would advocate maybe to you, and this is something that I need to do more of myself, is to write down those values based on what about you would never change and what about yourself needs to improve? What is it that you know you can give to yourself, at least start giving to yourself, that would uh, at least give you the feeling that things were improving? And write those down. You could just write them down or you could write them down on a piece of paper and then write underneath if you're more inclined to write. You know, you can expand on these ideas. I think you should. Or I think I have. There I go again, telling you what to do. It'll be a running joke probably until I give up on this show. <laughs> if you're not a writer, I understand that. I would say that if you're, if you're listening to this show, it is an invitation to start writing. Uh, pen and paper, truly. Um, it's, but, I, but I understand why you wouldn't. It's like, well, I didn't like writing in school. I'm not, I don't really have great handwriting. Uh, it hurts. I, I can't imagine that being the case. But there are many, I mean, there's a million reasons to not do things, right? But this show, if you're listening, is an invitation to start writing. And how about this? I know that if I did a little bit more cardiovascular work, like walking, running, rowing, that my life would be a little bit better off. So I'll tell you what, you start writing, I'll start doing a little bit more cardio. So I don't want to say too much more about um, defining your values. I think between what I just said and what I said in the earlier episode is probably about as much thought as I've ever actually put into it in the last few years. So I would like to then move on to this idea of prescribing your purpose. Now, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you just a brief story. I, um, when I'm not doing the podcast and I am forced to work for a wage, um, I do a lot of work, uh, locally here doing TV news as a field cameraman, meaning I go out with the camera and the microphone and sometimes I'm with a reporter and we're, we're putting together stories. So 
don't run me off the road if you're part of the convoy. I'm just the messenger, uh, as truly as the cameraman. Um, but what I found was that when I get into the early parts of the summer, um, some of my seasonal work kind of goes away and I'm left with a bit more sporadic freelance work in the early part of the summer and most of the summer truly. And it becomes, that's when my anxiety can peak. That's when my anxiety can really start yammering. Well, you're not going to make enough money. You're never going to get out of the rental house. You know, you ever going to get a mortgage? You haven't put money into the stock portfolio lately. All these talks that, I mean, all, all this talking that is probably in some way useful, right? Because it's telling me, hey, you need to make some money. You're not, but then I'm equating busyness with with money. Whereas all the effort that I put into writing and keeping myself in shape could be seen as long-term investments in, in being able to work and build a business. Um, even if you're not working directly for, uh, you know, an hourly wage or a day rate. So what occurred to me then was in this sort of slow time, lean time, I was graced or blessed with, let's not go that far. I was offered a week of work with one of the news agencies, steady work, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. You're out shooting, editing news, putting stories together with the reporters. My anxiety ebbed away. So I was coming from a very anxious place to a, to now a place of really relatively little anxiety because my purpose was prescribed. As you can imagine that. I was now being told directly and indirectly because I knew what was necessary, but I was also being told you need to be here for the press conference at 10 and then you need to be here for the, you know, the police have discovered someone was run over. You need to get some visuals of that. And then, you know, you can, you can call it a day. You can get home by about six, whatever the case may be. What occurred to me then, and it, it was just so, so obvious then it's like, well, when I know what I need to do and when the work that I'm doing is fulfilling to me and it's productive to others and I, I mean, I can go home and see the results of my work on TV, the anxiety goes away. The problem solving goes away. It's like, well, okay, sure. He's busy. He's, he's not listening to me because he's driving around. You know, he's on the phone. He's writing things down. He's, he's working on the, edit, on the edit suite, in the edit suite. There's no problem here. Plus he's making, you know, four or 500 bucks a day doing this. So then what, what occurred to me was, well, okay, if when my purpose is so frankly obvious, I am a news cameraman, done. The anxiety goes away. Then when I get into a phase of now I'm not working again, I need to prescribe my own purpose. And so I would say if, anxiety, like moderate to mild anxiety, or perhaps you have some severe mental health issues, whatever amount of control you can exert on those, I would say prescribe your purpose, meaning you get to tell yourself why you're here, what you're doing, what's important. And if, again, if you now struggle, well, I don't know what my values are. Okay. Start thinking about it. As we talked about now, you get to prescribe your purpose. You get to decide why you're here. Now, understand that, of course, others in your life, you may have kids, you may have a boss, you may have 
relationship with people. You might have friends. You might have people that you're beholden to in whatever way. And they, these people can tell you what they think about you. They can tell you where you need to be. You know, if they pay you, they're telling you what you're worth in some sense. All of that is secondary to you exerting some self-control. And that's, <laughs> that's an invitation that's being extended through this show. Not just to you, by the way, to me as well. To exert some self-control and say, look, there's all this external pressure. Through that external pressure, I know what about me doesn't change. And I, I actually now get to say, hey, if it's being prescribed to me by somebody else, it's second to my voice telling you or telling me what my purpose is. You get to say why you're here and what to do. I really think, and I'd, be, I'd really love to hear some feedback on this. It worked for me. It worked for me. When I was able to go back into that not so busy phase, I would say, well, no, look, my purpose my purpose is to work on the podcast. I mean, and truly like your purpose, you can decide, like you could make it very, very simple and say, well, my purpose is to be someone that gets up and works hard, working towards a down payment on a house, trying to find a mate and, and, and have a family. I want to be a father. I want to be a mother. Look, those are, that's a very honorable purpose. I would say, or you can go even further. You can go even further out into the universe as I have to say that my purpose is to allow the song of the universe to sing through me. And there's a lot to unpack there and I'm not going to do it now. We'll do it in a future episode. So if you can honestly look yourself in the mirror and say, I don't know what my values are and I don't know what my purpose is. And I've done that. This should be a slap in the face to you. If you've come to this show looking for a better life, maybe start there. What is it about you that would not change in the face of any external pressure? What matters to you? What about yourself do you dig in on? And what is it that you need more of from yourself? Going forward, why are you here? If you if you honestly cannot say why you're here, let me let me let me fill in the blank for you to at least start with. Your purpose is to be the purest form of yourself. Despite trauma, despite mistakes, inside you is a soul, a pure form of what you are. Your job is to get to know that person and build that person into exactly what you want them to be. And you, again, I have all the, all the time in the world, truly, and all the sympathy for, for, for people who, who say, and I say it myself, well, I have this responsibility. I have to work 60 hours a week. I have kids. I have a relationship. I have aging parents I look after. I have the, look, we've all got our shit, right? It's very easy to start stacking up all those external things. And sure, you're dependent on by another person. That's, that's very important. It's very noble. It still has to be secondary to you. This is not selfishness. This is not self-centeredness. And even if it were, what would you rather be centered around? Yourself or somebody else? Or something else? Despite mistakes, despite trauma, despite responsibility and duty, and look, if you're saying that, then go back to the values page and start, start writing down, well, obviously my duty to my family, 
my my role as a husband, father, stepfather, whatever. My duty as the the best damn grocery bagger at this particular grocery store is important to me. Duty is important to me. Okay, fine. I define myself by certain external by certain relations to external things. You understand that? Your job is not who you are. Now, there are things about the job that surely you enjoy, and they actually would reveal to you the things about yourself that you could probably get to know a little more about. You enjoy um, serving people, perhaps. You enjoy looking after people. You enjoy helping other people to improve. Now, if that's the case, you're probably on a certain amount of self-improvement yourself. But before I completely come off the rails, despite trauma, despite mistakes, despite duty, despite responsibility, despite all the things that you think define you, inside you is the purest form of yourself that you get to define. You get to build and you get to bring to bear on the world. So how's that? If you can honestly tell me after all that, that you don't know what your purpose is, give that a shot. My purpose is to become myself. And then, simply write, if I were perfect, what would that look like? So now you could, in theory, have an image of your ideal self. Now, you're probably not going to grow a foot or add a few inches or change the color of your hair, although I suppose you could quite easily. But you know where I'm going with this. I think you know inside yourself that pure version of you. I'm talking about an internal purpose, prescribing your own purpose, if you will. You get to choose why you're here. And I think that's, on one hand, it's very freeing. And you can imagine why many people, well, I don't know, actually, I have no idea. For years, I didn't, right? For years, my purpose was simply defined by friendships, jobs that I had, trying to be a good son, whatever the case may be. And then, of course, you're driven a lot by the, the self-medicating that you do in the face of your own, I would say, immaturity and trauma. It's like, well, I don't know about purpose, but I cannot wait to get drunk with, with my friends on Friday. I can't wait to run out the back door and do XYZ with person ABC, you know. And all that stuff is good and fine, especially if you're if you're younger than me. You know, I'm in my mid-30s. If, if you're in your 20s and you're, you are defining your life by your friend groups and, and the, the fun that you have together. There's nothing wrong with that to a point, right? But it, it may be worth thinking about uh, in a vacuum where those friends and, no, and that fun doesn't exist. Well, who are you, right? Like really it's an invitation to look at yourself in the mirror and decide who you are. And again, it's very freeing in some ways. I, I find it's very empowering that we get to choose. Now, there's certain cultural, um, familial, um, social, religious uh, things that you may subscribe to where, where this kind of talk that I'm talking might not might get you killed, right? Might get you might get you ostracized. And I can understand that. I can't truly know what it's like. I guess I would simply say if that's the case, you know, it's it's really up to you. If you want to continue to live in a, in a sort of collectivist way where you're defined by the groups and your purpose is subsumed to the group, I mean, your purpose is to serve the group, whether that's religious, uh, cultural, 
that's really up to you to choose. If there's a way to manage that individual identity and that individual purpose with the calling of the group and why the group, I mean, the group, if we're talking about a religious group or we're talking about, let's say you're part of a minority culture, a minority ethnicity in in the place that you live, there's a lot of self-preservation and safety that goes on there. And I, I mean, I couldn't tell you to, to leave that behind, uh, but I would say, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you to do anything, but I would say to really, again, write all that down. Like that's where you would start is like, hey, I feel a lot of pressure from the church to be this way. I don't believe it's right. And I'm really struggling with the fact that if I believe that, then obviously I'm going against God's word. Well, that's pretty major, but at least I think God would appreciate you writing down your thoughts very deeply to really get closer to him, right? It's like maybe if you are meant to worship God Almighty, you know, in a in a in an all-encompassing, all-out way, at least you did the work of getting there yourself and you didn't just do it because everybody told you to. So I don't want to lose track completely. We 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 came here because we wanted to talk about anxiety. And anxiety quite often comes in the form of telling you what to do or what not to do, telling you what you are or what you aren't, right? I'm lazy, I'm a failure, I'm stupid, I'm going to be late, I'm just going to be late. Oh man, I'm forgetful. I'm always, there's something I'm going to forget. and I'm, I'm never going to get out of this job or I'm going to blow this interview, I'm never going to get it. Um, now, I suppose anxiety could take other forms. You know, it could be telling you that you're going to, well again, I don't know. I have to speak from my point of view and I would really love to hear more about it. Maybe I should find a really anxious person to have as a guest on the show. But to me, anxiety functions as a sort of wayward problem-solving voice in our mind. It tells you all the things that you're going to get wrong or all the things you need to watch out for, but you can't get everything wrong all at once. I mean, you probably could, but that would be unfortunate now, wouldn't it? But point being... You're not going to be able to get everything wrong all at once. You're not going to completely fail in every way all at once. Maybe you're going to be late, okay? Uh, There's a lot of circumstances where like being late is like, well, you were late. Now, if it's like you're going to be late one more time, we're going to fire you. That's a different story. But again, it may be an invitation to grow if you lose that job, although it could be complete and utter uh, catastrophe for you. So suffice it to say, anxiety does have an important role in sort of allowing us to see the problems but so many of those problems never come to pass do they honestly the things that your anxiety is related to very often can be mitigated right then and there or they never come to pass and so often that anxiety is related to what i would call external factors and you'll you'll, you'll sense a thread here now anxiety is alerting us to these external factors, things that are outside of our control quite often. Now, again, I keep going back to this, but if you're going to be late, you're going to be late. Maybe you ought to just be late, you know? Just be late and say, say it like, and again, you need to talk to your anxiety. You really do because it's it's you. It's a voice inside you. Talk to that voice and say, what's the problem? I'm going to be late. Yes, I am going to be late. I have made peace with that. I really hope that the people 
at the Sunday dinner can accept the fact that I was 15 minutes late. Something tells me it's not going to really be a problem. And then again, go back to your time management when you have time. Think about that. Truth be told, you will never, well, (laughs) take two. I have found that I can never be satisfied when I base my satisfaction on the outside world. And that's kind of what anxiety, understanding my anxiety, that is what it has revealed to me. Yes, I have problems with some vices, some habitual practices that don't do good things for me. Yes, I have shown cowardice in certain areas of my life. Yes, I wish that I were making more money. Yes, I wish my relationships were better in some ways. But think about that. Money. Relationships with others. You will never be satisfied so long as you are driving your focus and your identity and your purpose at external things. You need to, as I would say, deal in the real. And the realest thing is you. Everything else is simply your perception of that thing. So, just to recap here. If you've come to this particular episode (laughs) to get some insight on how you might be able to think your way out of anxiety, and again, that may seem counterproductive because anxiety is quite often just a whirring tornado of thought, It's a long-term process, but you have to go about it daily. Define your values and your purpose. Okay, define your values, prescribe your own purpose. Tell yourself why you're here and what you're doing and that the voice, the anxious voice that's relating you to the outside world can just be quiet for a moment. Doesn't have to stop talking altogether. Doesn't have to go, doesn't have to pack up and leave home just yet. Just be quiet for a second. I'll decide what I'm doing. The third, I would say, the third step in that process then is to deal in the real. What can you change right now? And this is where I would gently point you towards mindfulness. Mindfulness is the idea of being, I would say, between 90 and 100% engaged with what you're doing. So for me, I would say a lot of, sometimes my anxiety creeps up when I'm in the shower and then getting ready to go, like doing all the drying off, combing your hair, brushing your teeth, uh, getting dressed, getting your shit together, and then getting towards the door. Look, there's no point in being anxious if you're actually on your way out the door. It's just all that mindful or all that mindless crap that we go through to get ourselves out the door allows room for anxiety when we choose to be mindless about it. So as an example, I would say, Be very mindful about drying off after the shower. How does that towel feel on your skin? Are you reaching all the nooks and crannies you need to? Then what? You're going to do the hair next, the makeup next, whatever you're into. 
Or are you going to leave the bathroom and go find what you need to wear? I actually went so far as to write down and time out my routine from the shower to the back door. Now, that's almost sounds crazy, but it, it then gave me, well, there's me prescribing my purpose. And I should say your purpose can change minute to minute. I, I believe that. Now, you, I like to think that I have this meta purpose of allowing the universe to sing through me, but then I can break that down and say, well, if I need to shower and get dressed and get out the door, the universe ain't going to be singing through some guy who's just ramming around, not paying attention to what he's doing and getting anxious. If you prescribe a meta purpose, a big overarching purpose, mindfulness then allows you to stay in that purpose. Be engaged with what you're doing in the moment. You know that most of your actions now are dictated by your purpose, what you need to do, what you're striving towards. So do them. And again, all the sympathy and all the time in the world for the idea that anxiety can really rob us of that way of thinking and that ability. But let me say that you, I would, truly, I have found that we hold the key to our anxiety through mindfulness and through breath. Breathing in deeply through your nose, like actively breathing, not just shallow mouth breathing, not just not breathing. Engage with what it is you're doing. Breathe deeply through the nose. You feel the diaphragm and the lungs inflate, the stomach or the the gut makes room. You push out, you get inflated. And the same push action happens at the diaphragm out the nose. Also then I would, I would suggest to do sort of a body check is like, where am I holding tension? You know, in the neck, in the eyes and the face, work your way through that. Let the face go. Let the breathing continue. Let the stomach, let the gut out. You're not fat. It's not being fat. Just let the gut expand further down. Are you, is there clenching going on in the anus sphincter taint region? There, there may be. Let it all go. Breathe in and feel your whole body inflate with air. You know why you're here intuitively. And if you can strip away the external factors that tell you who you are and what to do, if you can listen to that anxious voice inside you and let them just finish the thought and then quietly put them away through breathing and through mindfulness, it's like, yes, I'm going to be late. I still have to brush my teeth and put some clothes on. We can begin then to live a life of positivity. We're no longer living our life or defining ourselves by what we desire, what we're not. You know, I'm working on this idea of living relationally, right? And it's kind of what I've talked about here. It's like defining yourself or giving yourself a purpose based on things that are external to you. And it's very easy to do. We're in a culture where that is um, made. Well, we're in a culture where that is what we're made to do if we, if we let it make us do that. I mean, 
we define ourselves by, well, I don't have enough money. I don't have that product. I don't have that. Uh, my mate doesn't look like that person on Instagram. I haven't, I haven't gone to this school. I haven't, you know, I haven't met this person. I don't live in a social circle like that. I've never been to that place in the world that looks like that. There's a, an infinite amount of things that you have not done and will never do. And if you make your identity about those things, you're going to hell. You're in hell. You're in a miserable hell. If you can now flip the script to be grateful for the things that you do have, be grateful for yourself, be grateful to be alive. And again, this is my way of thinking. I'm not expecting you to adopt it immediately, but I hope I hope, I hope at least the steps make sense. When you can mindfully engage with life, breathe deeply to soothe your anxiety, and choose not to see yourself as what you are not or what you must do, and instead see yourself in the present, thankful, I've found that that really, really has helped my anxiety. You will find a lot of satisfaction. Here I go again. Take two. I have found a lot of satisfaction. And it's a persistent satisfaction in my life as long as I'm pursuing this idea of becoming myself. And I have to define myself by that which I am. I have to mindfully engage with myself second to second. And I have to worry less and less about these problems that are not real or are determined by external factors. And again, if it becomes so crushing and impossible to not see those external factors as being of the sole importance, like I'm going to be late, I'm going to be lazy, I'm never going to have enough money, I'm never going to own a house, I'm never going to get married, Fine. Go back to the values, go back to the purpose and retool from there and come back to life and then know, hey, yeah, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be late. But you know what? I'm going to be 10 minutes late instead of 15 minutes late. Because I'm working on it. That's my purpose, is to work on becoming the best version of myself. If I were perfect, I'd never be late. Okay, you'll never be perfect, but you can be late, you know, once a month maybe. Satisfaction will take root in your life as long as you are working on becoming yourself. And you're not focused on these external factors, these faraway ghosts of problems that may or may not come to pass and control yourself in the moment through breathing and through mindfully engaging with the task at hand. I'm going to end now quickly with, as promised, one exercise that you can do. Again, I'm not a doctor. I have no degree in kinesiology. Do not do this because I told you to. Simply give it a shot if you think you can handle it. 
If you have a, a, a big workout ball, a BOSU ball, I guess they're called, those large inflatable balls, you can also do this on the arm of a couch. I take absolutely no responsibility for any injuries that you incur by doing this, although I'd be hard-pressed to see someone injure themselves doing this. The idea you're going to want to do, plant both feet on the ground, position that ball or the arm of the couch um, kind of with, you know, right in the middle of your back and then simply start to lean backwards and sort of see yourself arching backwards. Almost you're going to try and create like a rainbow shape with your body. Your feet are on the ground. You're going to start to lean back using that ball or that couch arm to create a curve in your spine all the way back as comfortably as you can, allowing the neck and the head to go back. And realistically, the top of your head could be on the ground and the soles of your feet would also be on the ground. I don't know how this works. I came across it. You can Google it. It opens up It opens up your entire body. And it now if you're going to do this along with some mindful deep breathing, a lot of anxiety really seems to ebb away when we open our spine up and improve our posture. And this is a kind of a fast track to opening up to the universe, let's say, and well, if you're not sitting there hunched over, your your body is your mind is less likely to see any kind of problem. So, and this is something that we'll speak about going forward: the way in which um, mental uh, mental sort of difficulties and and bad feeling and all that anxiety, depression is rooted in our physical being and can be remedied through physical work like exercise and stretching and breathing. But that's enough for now. Uh, if you've are still listening. Thank you for listening. Just a, a recap, if you would, the three-step process to start working on your anxiety daily. Define your values and prescribe your own purpose. And then remove the external influence in your life. Remove, or at least, you know, you can't just snap your fingers and remove it. First, define your values and your purpose and then seek to see all the ways in which you are defining yourself by ex- externalities, things that you have less control over and things that need to be secondary to you. Duties, responsibilities, mistakes, traumas, all those things. They're not happening now. They're related to things that are not you, so they're second to you. And then third, exert some control through mindful breathing, posture check, and being grateful for being in the moment versus desiring to be something or somewhere else. Thank you again for listening. I hope you found this useful. Please let me know. Uh, you could get to me on Instagram at self control podcast. And until I speak with you again, please remember that better is possible.